come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. Well, today that's where we're gonna that's where we're gonna rest. It's it's a, a simple passage that concludes our time in the Psalms of Ascent. Um, we've talked a lot over the last three months about what these passages were for, um, about the psalmists and, and why they're grouped together, why they're called the Psalms of Ascent. But, but just to recap, uh, remember that these songs, and that's what they are, they're songs that were written down for us, uh, were the songs that the Hebrew people would sing as they would make pilgrimage back to Jerusalem, right? Dispersed throughout the, the land of Israel, they would travel several times a year, but, but at least once a year, they would travel back to, to Jerusalem to worship God. And the reason that they would travel back to Jerusalem is because that's where the, the dwelling place, the temple, the tabernacle, and then the temple of God were. And so, uh, longing to, out of obedience and out of longing, Right? Two things that I think sometimes we forget. Usually we function in one of those two things. We're either longing to do something or we're just practicing obedience. But the, the Hebrew people were doing both at the same time. They were obeying the commands of God to return to Jerusalem for the feasts. And that was their longing. That was where they found their identity. And so we've talked a lot about this corporate identity that they would sing together so that they would remember together. And so today we're going we're gonna to be in this Psalm 134, the last psalm of ascent. Um, and many scholars think that this song is actually the one they would sing as they were leaving. Right? So they travel back to Jerusalem. And this is a song that they would sing as they were leaving, as they were returning back to wherever they lived and where they worked and where they played. So this is the psalm that they carried with them until they started the whole thing over again. And so this morning, we're going to look at that. And what does that mean for us, right? Because now we're 2,000 years later in a different culture. We don't even have the, the temple anymore. We don't, we don't think in a lot of these terms. So how does that, what God has written down and stored for us, what does that mean for us today? And as we get into that, we, we come and we say, man, we are dependent on the Holy Spirit, right? We're desperate for the Holy Spirit to show us that truth and so let's pray and ask him to do that for us today. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word. We know that you have uh, gifted it to us for our benefit and for your glory. And so this morning, we pray that as we look at Psalm 134, as we look at the idea of blessing, both our uh, being called to bless you and worship you and your blessing us, Lord, and what that relationship looks like, we pray that you would open our eyes. We pray that you would give us ears to hear, Lord. We thank you that this, this call to worship is the same um, to every church in time and place in all of history. Lord, the call is to be in relationship with you. And so, Lord, we pray that all over the world today, people are hearing that call. Lord, we thank you for the... Uh, Cross Point Coast congregations that we know are worshiping you right now, um, Lord, at Pineda and Palm Bay. And we thank you for uh, the other cross points that throughout uh, the southeast, Lord. We thank you for the, the worship that's being done in your church all over the world, Lord, through other ministry partners that we know and that we don't know. God, and we pray that today you would save. Lord, that 
for the first time, someone hear the gospel. God, and they, their lives would be changed. And when you say, come bless the Lord, they would say, man, I want to do that. God, not, not for their benefit, but for your glory. And so, Lord, we pray that this morning you would remind us again of the joy of our salvation. Lord, that we have been saved and that we can respond to the call that you make. Come, bless the Lord. And so, Lord, we pray that we would do that individually, but more so as, a, as the church. Even looking at how this is just a, a small representation of what eternity looks like. So, Lord, we thank you for your, your word this morning. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Holy Spirit, speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. That first part, uh, come, right, is an invitation. And so, this morning, we're met with an invitation that we have received uh, this would be sung again by the people of God as they're going out. And they're singing this to the priest, which is interesting. right? They're singing to remind the priests that are in the temple, Come, bless the Lord, you servants of the Lord, you that serve the Lord day and night in the house of the Lord, offering worship and praise to Him. The people of God are reminding them, hey, you have this sweet opportunity to worship your God. So come, bless the Lord. All you servants of the Lord who stand by night. See, the Levitical priests, right, that are established early on in the Old Testament, as God is establishing His people and as He establishes His tabernacle, now there has to be a, a, a group of people that would, that would erect the tabernacle, tear it down, that would worship in the tabernacle, that would offer praises for the people, all of this designed by God. And so the priests filled that role where they would worship both day and night in the house of God. I think of this sometimes, and, and as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, man, at night you get weary and you kind of just go through the motions sometimes. Right? And so the, the people of God are reminding the, the priests, no, you are worshiping God. Come, bless the Lord. Right? Make much of who He is and don't just go through the motions, but remember, you're God. We see it. At the end where he talks, they refer to who made heaven and earth. This understanding that when we worship, when we bless God, when we bless the Lord, we're blessing the most powerful creator God. And so verse 1 and verse 2 is a call to worship. It's a call for the people of God to worship, but, but they're also calling the priests of God to worship. Verse 2 says, lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. The idea, the, the remembering that the people are calling the, the priests to is that not only are you blessing the Lord, but the Lord is holy. Right? So don't enter into these things lightly, even if it's your work, like even if it's your, uh, your vocation. We can't just assume, and, and man, as I'm reading this and as I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking, man, I'm a pastor. I need to, I need to be paying attention to this, right? Like, it, even as it's something that you do every day, you're blessing the holy God. Lift your hands up to the holy place and bless the Lord. So we have this call to bless the Lord, to bless God. And then in verse 3, we have... The, the, the call for the priest to, 
to speak a benediction over them. May the Lord bless you from Zion who made heaven and earth. So uh, many commentators believe that these first two parts are being sung by the people of God as they leave. And this last verse is being sung by the priests, right? Speaking a benediction over the people as they leave. How cool is that? That every week we do the same thing, right? We, we acknowledge the Lord's blessing in our lives and we even speak that blessing over each other. May the Lord bless you and keep you. It, even as I read that, may the Lord bless you from Zion. I, immediately it triggers the, the benediction of Aaron, right? The blessing of Aaron that he prays over the people of God. And so this idea of blessing God is a call to worship. This idea of God blessing us is a benediction, right? And in all of it, we have to see that it's not just formality, but it is relationship, right? This relationship of a God who has blessed us and then a a call for us to bless Him. This relationship that God has acknowledged and that God established from the very beginning But sometimes we think that we worship God because He needs us to worship Him. But if God is perfect, and thankfully we had this summer where we talked about the attributes of God, and one of the attributes of God is His perfection. He does not have any lack. He does not have any need. And so when when we're called to bless the Lord, it's for our benefit. It's not God's benefit. God doesn't benefit from us blessing Him. He alone is perfect and worthy. And whether we recognize it or not, that doesn't change the fact that He is perfect and worthy. But but instead, He invites us into relationship. Come and bless and be blessed. Right? That come peace, that come to me. It's an invitation this morning. And it's relationship. It's the design of God since the beginning. We saw it in the Garden of Eden, right? The communion of God with Adam and Eve where He walked and talked with them and they were His people and He was their God. And there was beauty and there was peace and there was rest. And then we blew it, right? But, that, but, but the design of God in the very beginning is communion, relationship with His people. And then we look to the very end, right? Which is also relationship. Uh, uh, Bless God and be blessed by God, right? When we look in Revelation, it points to what will the end look like? It will look like the marriage supper of the Lamb, where Christ, God, is is the bridegroom, right? And where His people, the church, are the bride. And we're in relationship with Him. And so this morning... We remember that, that as formal as this is, right, as, as memorized as this is, that the people would sing this song and that the priest would say their blessing, right, and that could seem really formal, it, it's all about the relationship of God to his people. Derek Kidner, in his commentary on, on the Psalms, has this to say about it, and I love it. It says, but the exchange is quite unequal, To bless God is to acknowledge gratefully what He is. But to bless man, God must make of him what he is not and give him what he has not. This is God condescending to us, right? Coming down and and meeting the need. Because while we see that the design of God was relationship in the very beginning and the design of God is relationship at the very end, we also recognize that there's a deep need 
right? Because we, instead of relationships, said on our own we can live. Adam and Eve in, in Genesis 3 had this beautiful design of relationship, and yet they wanted something else. They were not satisfied. And so they sinned, and they, and they sinned against God. And by one man's sin, sin entered into the world. And we walk in that sin daily. Ryan talked about it, right? We've, we need to be searched because our tendency, our default nature is selfishness and pride and arrogance. And yet, God has called us. He says, come, bless the Lord. How can we do that? Well, we do it because He didn't leave us in that place, right? He came to us. So the invitation is to come to Him, but first He came to us. We even talked about it some on Wednesday in community group and how God initiated everything, right? In this whole season of Christmas, we've remembered that God came and dwelt among men. He was Emmanuel, God with us. And so Jesus came humbly, right? Born of a virgin, born in a stable, lived a perfect life on our behalf, all of this so that when the psalmist says, come bless the Lord, we have actual access to God. We can actually come to God and bless Him and worship Him because He has come to us. And so Jesus lived that perfect life and He died in our place because our sin deserved death and punishment and separation. Yet Jesus has redeemed us and restored us. And so, the, the psalmist doesn't have this full picture yet. But he does know that there is a, there's a Redeemer who would come. Because he's, he's been given the sacrifice, that, right? He's, he knows what the priest's role is. He's calling them to it. He knows that as the priests offer sacrifice for the people, it's pointing to something greater. That sacrifice didn't actually fix the sin problem that we had. It pointed to a sacrifice who would come, who would fix it once and for all. And so Jesus came and He died in our behalf. And He rose to defeat sin and death so that we don't dwell in the sin and death anymore. But we can come and we can bless the Lord and we can worship Him with our whole life. God must make of Him what He is not and give Him what He has not. That's what Derek Kidner says about the psalm. And so what did God give us, right? What is the blessing? May the Lord bless you from Zion. What has God given us from Zion? He's given us Jesus, right? He's given, the, given us the tangible presence of God, God dwelling with man. That is the gift. That is the blessing that we've received from Zion. He who made heaven and earth. You see... Often, we've seen it through these psalms, they, whenever they want to really look at who God is, the, His power and His glory, they point to creation. And they say, man, God is most powerful and most glorious when He spoke into nothing and made something. But we have the whole story, and when we think about God's power and His glory, we remember recreation, right? That Jesus has come, and that perfect creation, He's restored it. And even that was just a pointing to what will finally be in heaven, where all things are made right. Where we will be in glory with our God forever and ever. 
I want to point to two things. Because we can, we can say, well, how does that, when we start talking about priests and temple, what does that mean? We, we don't dwell there anymore. We don't, we don't even practice those things anymore. And yet Peter, right, this is the New Testament, Peter who's seen Jesus, who's walked with Jesus, he begins to talk about what does it mean to be the priests. Right? 1 Peter 2, 4-6 through 6 says this, As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. As you come to Him, it's talking about Jesus. A living stone rejected by men. Not other men, right? A living stone rejected by men, that includes all of us. All of us have rejected God in our sin, but in the sight of God, Jesus was chosen and precious. And now, because of the atoning work of Christ, we are living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a priesthood. So the call now is not to the Levitical priest, but the call is to us, the priesthood of believers. Come, bless the Lord. So we don't get out of it. <laughs> we don't be like, well, that's for priests and maybe even uh, now just pastors or those that are in ministry. Um, no, we, the body of Christ, are the royal priesthood. And so the call is to us, come, bless the Lord. Bless Him when? Bless Him during the day. Bless Him at night. Right? Bless Him with our whole lives in every time and place we talked a little bit in our, in our meeting before this, but just this idea that, that is being challenged is that this hour right here in this pavilion, this is church. That's not true. It's part of it, but it's not true, right? The, the worship of God, the blessing your God happens every day, every hour, every minute. It's life. Our lives are worship. When we begin to segregate and, and compartmentalize portions and times for worship, we're just wrong, but we're, we're also confused. We forget, no, we are the royal priesthood. We don't have to go to a priest. We have the great high priest Jesus who intercedes for us, who has moved in on our behalf, and now we are living stones. Now we are the temple of God. We are the priests of God. And So sometimes I think, Oh, okay, so we're pointing back to that real thing of the real temple and the real priest. No, the, the temple and the priest that we're reading about in the Psalms is pointing to the real thing that is us and is Jesus. I, I get so confused with that. I, I forget, and I'm like, oh, well, that was the reality then, and so this is kind of a simile or a metaphor for that, that reality. No, that, that was not the reality. The reality of the people of God dwelling with God is Jesus. The temple pointed to that. It said one day, one day we're going to have access to God at all times, in all places, because Jesus will come and we will have a Savior and a Redeemer. And so we are living in that moment now. 
And if that doesn't bring us joy, let's ask why. <laughs> right? If that doesn't stir our hearts to worship and to bless our Lord, then we have to ask why. Maybe God hasn't done that work in our hearts and we, we need to press into that and say, God, will you stir in me joy? That, that somehow these psalmists are excited and they're leaving the presence of God and they're going back to their places of, of work, their places of play, where they lived life, and they're remembering this song of bless the Lord, O my soul, right? And remembering the blessing of their God with them. But all of this is pointing to a reality that hadn't even come for them yet, but it is a reality for us. In Hebrews, again, a New Testament book, the author is taking all of these Old Testament metaphors, we'll call them metaphors, pointing to the reality of who Jesus is. Right? So he looks at the temple and he says, Jesus is a better temple. He, the church is a better temple. He looks to Jesus and he, and he looks at the high priest and he says, Jesus is a better high priest. He's a better mediator. Right? And so he takes all of these Old Testament things and points them to Jesus. And he does it in Hebrews 12. And, and all of them say that Jesus is better. Like those things, they were really good and they were precious and they gave us access to God, but they were really pointing to something that was better that would give us eternal access. Hebrews 12, verses 22 through 24. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem and to innumerable angels and festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. All of those Old Testament types Right? All of the things that God established in the tabernacle, all of the law, all of the rituals, all of the sacrifice, all pointed to Jesus. And today, we have Jesus. And not only do we have Jesus, but He's invited us because of His gospel work, His atonement, his once and for all sacrifice that He's paid for us, now we are with Him. We are His church. We are the temple of God. We come and we bless the Lord because we are the servants of the Lord who stand by day and by night in the house of the Lord and worship Him. And we lift up our hands that are not holy in and of themselves, but they've been made holy by the One who has died and sprinkled us with His blood. We lift our hands to the holy place and we bless the Lord. But that only happens because the Lord has blessed us from Zion. The Almighty God, the Creator of heaven and earth, has blessed us, has come to us in the person of Jesus and restored that broken relationship and redeemed it. And so our song should be this song, right? Our song should be this remembering that the Lord has blessed us from Zion. Zion, again, represents Jerusalem, but it also represents the new Jerusalem, the actual Jesus that we have, that wherever He is, that is the dwelling place of God. That is where God is present. 
And so the New Testament says that He is in us. He is in His church. And so the blessing has come from Zion. And it's the person of Jesus Christ. This morning we rejoice in all these things. We take this as a call and as a benediction. We take this as uh, an invitation to worship. And we take it as a reminder of what God has done to create a way for us to worship. To worship something bigger than whatever it is that we're worshiping normally. Right? To get, to, to die to those little idols. To die to those things that are not worthy of worship and to worship the one who is. Charles Spurgeon sums up this psalm and he says, The first two verses stir us up to bless Jehovah. And then the last verse, Jehovah's blessing is invoked upon the people. Oh, to abound in blessing. May blessed and blessing be the two words that describe our lives. Amen. God, would you do that? Would you transform and change your church so that when people see us, they would use blessed and blessing to describe us? That we would receive who you are and then that we would share that same thing with a world that needs to hear it. May blessed and blessing be the words that describe us. Let's pray. Lord, to, uh, to stand and remember that we are blessed. To remember the, the purchase price that was paid so that we would have relationships, so that we could worship with our whole lives, not an hour, not a song. The song will end, the prayer will end, there will be an amen, and yet our worship will continue. God, may we remember that. May our lives be a sweet fragrance and offering to you. Not to add anything to you because we can't, but to participate in who you are and what you're doing. Lord, we thank you for the invitation that you would welcome us, that you would say, come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. God, confirm in us, in our hearts, speak to our hearts today, this identity that we have as the priesthood, as the temple of God. Lord, that we would remember these things, that we would, that we would worship with our whole lives, with our, our talents, our treasure, our time. Lord, that we would give you everything, both out of obedience and out of longing. Lord, would you make us into this people today? In Jesus' name, amen.